Hello and welcome to the Red Rooster Golf Podcast. Alongside company founder Kerry Moher, I am Brad Fritch, former PGA Tour player, current Corn Ferry Tour member, and Red Rooster founding partner. Red Rooster Golf, join us in waking up your golf glove game, an oft-neglected part of your equipment and yet ever-present on each and every shot you hit. Learn to manage your glove, make sure it's there to help you, and change it when it's not. Red Rooster Golf, wake up, shake up, step up, and give. Carrie, we're on to episode two. How do you feel? Oh, this is uh, this is a great topic. I mean, this was a lot of fun. This was my pro caddy debut and first chance behind the ropes, you know, for four rounds of a pro event. And just, I think there's just going to be some awesome takeaways for our followers. You know, when we were out in California and doing some uh, daily updates, we had lots of, uh, lots of chatter through email and social. So this is more of a deeper dive. It's that this is the, the things we, we couldn't uh, quite capture in those mediums. Yeah, this is my foray into the 2022 Corn Ferry Tour qualifying tournament. Uh, you offered to caddy for me about two months before the, the tournament started, so let's dig in. You threw me for a loop when I told you I was going to play the Corn Ferry Tour Q School. Um, you offered to caddy for me, and I didn't really have... I didn't want to. I don't want to say I didn't have any other options, but no one. Had, I hadn't thought of it yet. You know, I put a lot of things off to the last minute. There's always caddies available, uh, but when you asked, I thought, you know, my main criteria for a caddy is don't annoy me, and check. you fit the bill. Yes, check. Um, you know what I look for in a caddy is obviously plenty of golf knowledge. Uh, you know where to stand, where not, where not to stand, what not to say, and. You know, you're a competitive player. You know what to do, um, but but the other part of it is don't be don't be a distraction to me when I play. And there's plenty of ways for people to be distractions without them even knowing it. But I thought you're a 45 ish year old man. I think you can handle it. Uh, so you made the decision to come out there with me, and uh, I, I'm glad you did because it, it was a lot of fun. Started off kind of on the wrong foot for you, though, as I recall. Uh, it did. Uh, I mean, it was uh, it was it was an eventful week, and uh, but like before we get into some of my uh, travel hijinks, just walk everybody through, you know, how you. So this is you know this is the second stage of of Corn Ferry. Um, why are you there, and and how are you there, and why this particular location? Okay. Yeah, sure. So um, there's four stages of Corn Ferry Tour qualifying, the pre-qualifier, first, second, and finals. And I'm exempt to second in perpetuity now because I've got a uh, hundred combined cuts on the PGA and, and Corn Ferry Tours. So once you reach that threshold, you don't have to go to pre or first stage anymore. So uh, basically you have one four round week to get to finals, which is where you can really improve your status, you know, get full status for the year, uh, something like that. So I went to California this year because I played there last year and I really enjoyed the course in the past. Last year was the first time you'd, you'd played there. Correct. Uh, it's called bear Creek. It's in Marietta, California, about an hour north of San Diego. In the past, if I had to go to second stage, I was all—I would always go to Craig Ranch in Dallas, uh, but they don't have it there anymore. And the list of sites for second stage, I, I don't think I'm familiar with any of them anymore. So this is one that I tried out last year for the first time. Didn't get through, but I really liked it. Uh, I think it fit my game. I don't think it, the course doesn't favor any particular type of player. And so when, when that's the case, I think, well, ball striking is, should be a premium. Uh, the scores are never terribly low there. I think they've gone between, you know, one, one and two under par for, for four rounds to a maximum of maybe nine under par. So you don't have to go super low there. I've seen second stage sites that have gone to 16 and 17 under par. I'm not a huge fan of those type of scoring uh, conditions. So decided to go there, played there last year. Um, again, didn't play great, but, but enjoyed the course. I think it, it fit my game. So made the decision again to enter, enter there, made the trek over there. I got there on a Saturday night. You got there Saturday morning. 
yeah, without Saturday your golf mornings. clubs. Yeah, thank you, Air There's Canada. N- there are not, a, not a lot of great travel options out of Ottawa, period, let alone to San Diego. So I remember when I saw your flight schedule, I could have either spent the entire day in airports or I could get on like the first flight of the day. I think my first flight was at 5.30 in the morning, connection through, I think it was Toronto. I get to San Diego and I had, I think, 12 hours <laughs> before you got in. Yeah, so and you had plans, right? Oh, sure. I brought my clubs. I'm in sunny San Diego. I'm going to drive up the coast and I'm going to play some golf. I'm going to eat some food. I'm going to, you know, hit up the beach and it all fell apart for me. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't deliver your golf bag. And uh, for the first time in a millennium, it rained all day in San Diego. So uh, two strikes. Yeah. (laughs) Two strikes there. So I see you um, Saturday night. You meet me at the rental car place. We drive about an hour to the to the hotel, get up. I think we took a leisurely morning. Don't want to, you know, we had a late night. So leisurely morning. I think we plan to play around noon, one o'clock, something like that. Yeah, I think they open the practice round up at 12. Yeah, so my plan was to play nine holes each day. So that was a Sunday and a Monday. And then the tournament starts Tuesday. Uh, my thought there was... Number one, I don't play a ton of golf anymore, so I didn't want to play 36 holes and then jump into a 72-hole tournament because I can't remember the last time I played six 18-hole rounds in a row. I just haven't done it. Busy with the company, just taking a a break from golf and get into that a little bit uh, before the tournament starts. Um, But yeah, we played the back nine the first day, and then the plan was to play the front nine the second day. Um, so yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised by that. I thought we'd be playing 18 a day. I mean, once we got there, it made sense. I mean, that first nine holes was probably three hours. Yeah. It was a long, it was a long practice round, which happens. You get, uh, even though it's a small field, about 75 to 80 players, you you know, you had member play in the morning and, and there's just guys who want to tear apart the course in terms of chipping and putting, pitching bunker shots, you know, they're just going to take a long time. Yeah, some and guys with have that, launch monitors out there yeah, on every um, shot. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You see everything nowadays. Yeah. Um, so my, my kind of overview of, of what I, how I feel going into an event is I've done all the work before the event and what I have when I get there, that's what I have. And if it's not and, great. And you knew this course. I mean, so would yeah. you have, have, approached it differently had you not played this course before would you have done two nine hole no i I would have approached it i probably would have gotten there another day early and i probably would have played let's say 1899 okay uh that's a lot that's what i used to do on um canadian tour events and even corn ferry tour events when i hadn't seen the course before okay I'd, i'd get there for sure monday uh, of a regular event and play 18, then nine and nine. You know, my, my whole goal is to feel comfortable off tee shots. I think that's the most important part of any round of golf in a tournament is, are you, are you comfortable on the tee? Because that's where you can lose the most shots in my opinion. And, uh, this course in particular, there's not a ton of super difficult tee shots in, in kind of revolving around my game. Some guys could feel different, but I really did think that the course suited my game off the tee. There's a couple of carries that I can't make. And so I have to adjust aim wise. But other than that, it's either you're going to hit a good shot or you're not. There's not any, you know, magic elixir that you can (laughs) take on the tee to, to magically get it done. It's like, whatever I've practiced, I'm going to try to put that into play. And if it turns out well, then great. Um, and, and, other than that, you just have to rely on your scoring ability when you get to an event. You know, your mental game has to be strong. This is all from my perspective. Um, mental game has to be strong, and either you make the putts or you don't. So we played, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting to see. I mean, you you had your yardage book from the year before, really well done, super detailed. You knew all the pin placements from the year before. So, in a lot of ways, I guess that practice round was like, Hey, is there any changes out here? Are there any modifications? But 
you'd had a you'd played it you had a pretty good game plan remember the condition the first day yes that was a bit <laughs> yeah. of a it was a shocker um it was one of those when you they're poana greens and you stand on the green the practice green for about 10 seconds and there's this deep footprint and you know it rained the day before so not a huge surprise but then we got onto the course and it was kind of the same thing and it was really surprising for one and it was concerning on the other uh i was i was i was concerned i was like is this the way it's going to be like this is important and they're rolling about seven and a half and not true not true they're bumpy they're they're patchy um and this all sounds terrible but the next day night and day huh what all of a sudden so what i think happened was they didn't do any maintenance sunday morning because it had rained so much saturday and then they got out on Sunday evening, cut, probably rolled, maybe cut again. And all of a sudden on mon- uh, on Monday for the second practice round, they were quite good. You know, I, I had no concerns from the day before that kind of alleviated. Um, not that, you know, the sky's not going to fall if that's the condition for the tournament. But everyone has to play the same, but it's just kind of a mental thing. Like, hey, I'd love to hit a good putt and it to go in. Um, so... Yeah, we played that that practice round the second day and was kind of in a better frame of mind just in terms of the condition of the course. But we we got around in a decent time. Hit a few uh chips and putts afterwards, just, you know, cleaning up some things. But again, my perspective is I did a lot of work before the event started and that was at home and That's what I think I'm going to have going into the event. Now, my expectation level, which I referred to earlier, wasn't super high. Um, I don't play much anymore. I certainly don't play as much competitively as I used to, hardly any. Um, So this was, I almost felt an obligation to enter this because I still have Corn Ferry Tour status from years ago when I won a tournament in Columbia. I'm still a member if there are 500 members, I'm probably 450th in the pecking order. So never going to get into an event. So this was an attempt to better my status. Um, if my status doesn't get bettered, then I have to go to Monday qualifiers, hopefully get a sponsor exemption somewhere, make a cut, make some money. Then I jump everyone on the list who hasn't made any money. And then I'm much higher in the pecking order. If I made the cut at the first event in the Bahamas of the year, I probably would jump 300 people. Yeah. Because those 300 people aren't playing and I played. So just if I got into that event somehow. So this was kind of my chance to get better status, hopefully get into some events next year. Now, did I expect to play well? Yeah, because I'd been, I'd been working hard for about, two and a half, three months. Does that sound naive? Yes. But I figured I'm a veteran. I can kind of weasel my way around the course. Um, and again, I think the course suited me. So, um, my outlook was, Hey, I'm going to try my best. I believe I can do it. Uh, if things go my way, I can play very well. So I entered Tuesday round one with that perspective. Uh, how did you feel going to the first tee? Well, I guess the 10th tee on, uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, it's funny. I think we were really well aligned. Like I had no illusions that I know you'd been busy. You hadn't been been hardly playing certainly competitively at all. And, uh, but I knew you had the game. I knew you had it in you. Every time I've played with you, you've played amazing. So I knew the game was there. I guess, you know, I didn't know the course at all. When I saw it, I thought it suited you. The conditions, you know, they really, really changed, um, over the four days that I was had some concerns with. And then it was interesting in the two rounds, just, you know, we got to play with, um, you know, I guess six other guys, right? Uh, three different guys one day or two other guys, I guess five other guys. And, and just to see their games, you know, I mean, young bucks, I mean, um, other than, you know, Stephen Allen. So that was great to, to play with the one veteran, but otherwise, you know, really young guys. Um, but you know, you hit it awesome. They hit it awesome. Um, nobody was grinding over putts or anything. So no, I was, I was feeling good. I was feeling, um, relaxed and, and excited for the first day. 
Yeah, and I think we drew a pretty good group. We got a young fellow from Taiwan, I think he was from, and he'd gone through pre-qualifying and first stage. And I think it was his first time in the United States, I think. He spoke decent English, and his caddy was a super nice guy, Gerald, from Northern California. Yeah, Gerald and we, was great. We, we kind of hit it off, and we ended up playing for three days with with them. I remember when I said, remember when I asked if Gerald was his dad? Yes. And yes. Gerald laughed. <laughs> He, yeah. Well, Gerald's about 30, 32, and I can't remember the, was a, the, was the young kid's name, but he was about 22. So sigh. That, that would have been a tough one. Yeah, sigh. That's right. And, uh, and then we played with Crete. He hit it nine miles. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a huge kid, right? He was six, <laughs> four, huge arc, effortless, just, really. The ball just melted. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Peatfish was the other was the other player. Corn Ferry Tour status already. I think he finished in the mid eighties on the list. So he was trying to better his status, and and he'll get in events next year anyway. So he was kind of in that funny zone where it's like, eh, you know, however I do, it doesn't much matter. It'd be great to better the status, but this is a big, it's a big hill to climb to to better that status. It would mean that he would have to finish top 40 at final. So uh, a lot of work for a small reward. He's kind of the next guy after the exempt members from finals of Q school, if that makes sense. Right. So yeah, he, he had a nice tidy game too. That was nice. He, he to, did. And you could tell, you know, he had some good events last year for a reason. He's a quite a good player. Uh, so we play those first two rounds with, with those two guys and the first round uh, didn't get off to a great start, but was playing fine. If you recall. Yeah, the the first hole was uh, wasn't your best, and scraped a par out, and then all of a sudden, it was like robot golf time. It was just literally like game plan is this, you know. We talked through each shot. I'd say we knew I knew exactly what the game plan was, and I don't recall a missed shot for the rest of that front nine. It was literally like the drive goes here, the iron goes here. It's a matter of whether the putt goes in. Yeah, if robots two putt, then that's exactly what it was. Um, <laughs> so we started on ten, and we get around to fifteen. I think I, I remember I had some mud on the ball, and I was like, ah, "Is that enough to make a difference?" Well, it was. Missed the green, made a bogey. Uh, so it was one over through six holes, part sixteen, seventeen, and then drove it in the bunker on the widest fairway on the golf course. More about that later. Uh, on eighteen and hit a shot out of the fairway bunker onto the green and made a long putt for birdie. So I turned it even and that felt really good. I remember it was a real nice, like momentum shift there. Yeah. Just in terms of in, in round momentum thinking, man, I'm playing fine. And yet I'm one over par through eight, nothing's going in. And now I've hit into the fairway bunker and there's water in front of the green. Oh yeah. Uh, It's a scary shot. Yeah. And just thinking, man, this is not going, you know, scoring is not happening and rolled in a long putt. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this, this round's okay now. And we make the turn and, uh, kind of the same thing on, on the, the second nine, one through six, good shots, putts not falling. I think I maybe made a bogey and a birdie in there. I think that's right. Uh, but nothing, you know, certainly not scoring the way that I'm playing. And then all of a sudden it was a lot of birdie looks. It was like, there was no stress and a lot Uh, of good putts too. Right. I I remember like good putts that graze the edge from 15 to 20 feet. So if you mapped out the percentages, like I'm not supposed to make that, but they came so close. And Mm -hmm. so you thought, well, just not getting quite enough out of this round. And I remember on number seven, good drive, hit a drawing nine iron to a tap in. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, well, now this has a chance to be a, a pretty decent round. Great. Um, and we get to number nine, final hole of the day, par five. You had a good luck on eight too. Yeah. The par three for sure. I did. Yeah. Same deal though. Same deal. Yeah. If it's it was not all a tap day. in, it's not going <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <there. laughs> so, uh, number nine reachable par five. I think I flared a three wood into the front bunker and the pin is way back left. Like the last time I've hit that bunker shot, I don't know, you know, probably 35 to 40 
paces of a of a bunker shot. Yeah, that's a scary one. That's one of it those is. where like you can you can catch that one and it can go a hundred yards. It can. And and I have a decent technique for those where it's kind of just feel like it's a driving bunker shot. I know I'm gonna take sand first. So the, the miss is gonna be short. I'm never gonna clip the ball early, so it's not gonna go a hundred yards. And I ended up hitting a pretty good shot. It was about 12 feet below the hole. And uh, I remember the putt going on, on on its last rotation. And 70, after being even through 15 holes, felt really good. I remember that. Because I am notoriously a slow starter. Friday, if you want to call a second round a Friday. Fridays for me have always been, I'm coming from behind. And this time, even though there's not a cut, I'm feeling I'm two under. I think when we finished at the end of the day, it was 24th, 22nd, something like that. And I think 18 to 20 guys got through. So I'm feeling like that's fine, especially the way the day went where scoring didn't happen. Uh, And especially with a strong finish, birdieing the 16th and 18th holes. I thought, you know what? That's something that I can really take forward into tomorrow. And I really do think that golf is really a game of momentum and it might be in your head, but in your head is where the game is largely played, Uh, especially at the pro level, because as you saw, most guys were generally the same, right? Oh man, it was crazy. It was just, it really was a bit of a putting contest. I mean, the people, you say that, but at the end of the day, um, you have so many of these looks because you guys hit it so great. Um, you know, everybody hits the drives far and straight and everybody hits these laser beam iron shots and these greens are tricky. It's hard to get it close enough. It's, do you have the right read? Do you have the right pace? And you have these looks all day. And then of course, like there is trouble lurking. So, um, you know, but I'm, I'm with you first day. I was like, uh, solid, you know, just felt yeah. like a solid round 70 was a good score. It, it could have been better and I couldn't imagine it being worse. That was kind of my takeaway. Like felt like we left a, a bunch out there, didn't have a lot of stress and it was sort of like, let's go and rest up and regroom, come back and see if we can make some of those putts tomorrow. That was, I was feeling super positive. Yeah. My perspective on the first round was a little bit different than yours. Uh, when you say it, it couldn't have been worse. Well, I didn't have to birdie the 16th and 18th holes and it could have been even par and I, and I wouldn't have felt great about it. Uh, but, but having that and just kind of, you know, that old cliche dinner tastes better. Well, it really did that night. It really did. So, um, my, my typical post round, action is put the clubs in the trunk and, and leave the course. Uh, again, I, I always feel like if there's, if there's something not terribly wrong, if, if, if I haven't hit, you know, eight foul balls off the tee, I'm not going to the range. I just want to get in the car, leave. We've been there for six, six and a half hours. If you arrive at the course an hour, at least before the round. So that, that's enough for me. And and so we just left, had some dinner, relaxed. You still didn't have your clubs. If if you did, you probably would have gone and played some golf, which is crazy in my opinion. But uh, you still didn't have your golf clubs. So I really did feel like the first day was a uh, success. And so we it, go it out was, there on by, yeah. by any measure. Okay, so yeah. so day one, you know, throw a seventy. You're in the top third. Um, game solid. Get some rest. Um, we come out for round two, take everybody through your, your, your warm up routine. Cause I know, I mean, you talk about a robot. I mean, you did exactly <laughs> the same thing four days in a row, even for the practice rounds. So you've got, well, a pretty I've been doing it for routine. 21 years. Yeah. Uh, so I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, so I arrive a little over an hour beforehand because you want to hit the loo before you, you play golf. So I want to do that first. Um, then I go to the putting green and I hit about, I spend about 20 minutes there 
and I, I hit a bunch of short putts that go in the hole, you know, three, four, five feet. And then I hit lag putts from 30 and 40 feet. Not necessarily, you know, you're not looking to make those putts. You just want to get the speed of the greens. And then I'll hit some that I might not make, you know, 10, 12 footers, but I want to see a few of those go in. And then I go back to short putts, hear the ball go in the hole, uh, concentrate on not looking up, which is my, that's my bugaboo for my entire life is, is peaking early. Um, so about 20 minutes on the putting green, go to the range, work through my wedges, my even numbered irons. And then I hit two hybrids, two three woods, two drivers. And if that, if they all go fine, like I, again, if you're not hitting foul balls, then I'm straight to the T. Uh, one of the things I, I like to do is whatever club I'm hitting off the first tee with that's I'm going to end the session with that. So sometimes in the past, if the 10th hole might be a par three, I'm going to hit the club that I think I'm going to have to hit off that tee. If it's a three wood off, you know, a par four, then I'm going to hit three wood last. Uh, in this case, it was driver off of both the first and the 10th tee. So driver every time. So pretty, pretty simple, but you're right. It's the same thing every time. I don't want any surprises. I don't want to do anything different. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, flying by the seat of my pants. I want a structured routine because I want my play out there to be structured. You know, there's kind of a process I go through where you take the trouble out, you play to fat sides of greens and you try to make everything stress-free. So that's kind of the goal of the warm up is to, to mimic what I'm trying to do, uh, on the course. Yeah, it was great. I actually, I probably, sometimes I get there too late and sometimes I'm there too early and sometimes I'm working on something on the range and it was good to just see what you do. You're really just trying to get loose. You're going through the motions. It's almost like you're just building up confidence for that first tee shot, right? Everything builds to that. Sure. Absolutely. And again, structure, um, keep the heart rate down, which again, you're not doing anything different. You're not running to the bathroom, trying to put sunscreen on right before you tee off, you know, you do everything beforehand before you warm up so that there's nothing, nothing can interrupt you. Nothing can make you be in a rush because just elevated stress leads to elevated stress on the course. And again, I like to play as stress-free as possible. I think that's, I think that should be the goal for anyone. Yeah. We're not playing hockey or football where emotion can help you. Emotion can really hurt on, on the golf course. So that's kind of my goal is to try to take the emotion out of it. Okay. So you get, so you, you were two under through the first round, heading to was tee off on hole number one for round number two. Take us through that first uh, nine in the second round. Yeah, it was kind of a, a mirror of the first round, if I recall. Just hitting it really, really solid. Um, not capitalizing on par fives, but not really doing much wrong either. Um, made the turn, still felt really, really good. And I think you and I were, were talking about it the day of the day that it happened. It really felt like the, this, uh, what was it? 16, 16 was really the, the turning point, almost of the whole tournament. You know, we were one under through 15 holes and just, you know, again, not feeling awesome about the score, but feeling really good about the game. Like, have I done anything wrong? No. Feeling like, honestly, on on 16T, I was feeling like robbed. I was feeling like, (laughs) I was like, man, we should be like five or six under right now. And we've left a few out there. And but I I know I I was feeling like upbeat, but I was like, man, just really game is like in a good spot. Sure. Just like, and it was pretty stress-free. It was like just missed opportunities. That's the way it, so, it wasn't like, Ooh, scramble. We're lucky to be here. Right. Right. So from in my head, I'm thinking, man, game feels good. Putts haven't gone. And that's okay because there's more than 36 holes left. So it's a back pin on this downhill par three. And you've described this green like 16 at Augusta, but kind of if, if you twisted it, and the left side is actually the front. There's a lot going on from front to back. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, cr- and, crazy tears. And, and, and they actually had to put the pin in the back all four days because the green in the front wasn't in great shape. 
couldn't find right. a pin there. So and it's a tiny shelf. It's a tiny shelf. And my goal was to land it about eight steps short of it, which is kind of where the craziness ended. And I flushed a seven iron. It was a little seven iron and I flushed it. And I think I said, get down, landed about six feet short of the hole and hopped over the green. And it wasn't bad. It was just kind of this messy elongated fringe behind the green. Um, if I had to do it over again, would I hit an eight iron? Probably, but it was one of those where it's like, man, that was a really good swing. It was a laser. Beam. <laughs> it, it was, it was right at it. And I remember, and I mean, your, your irons were so good that I was like, be right. Yeah. Like, and it was right at it and the greens were starting to change. They were. This was, they had, you know, that the day before, and certainly in the practice round, that ball stops, stops all this, yeah. right. And it, it bounced a little bit. Lie wasn't super awesome. You kind of short-sighted. It was definitely short-sighted down the hill, chipped it past, missed a long putt coming back. So make, make a four. And that felt, get that sour taste in your mouth, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I just hit a really good shot and you know, it wasn't the right club because if that club can go over the green, that's not the right spot to be. So yeah, feeling not great about it. Par, par 17, get to 18. Miss. Even 17. So at this point, this is where things start to like change for me. Part of it's in hindsight. I don't really see it at the time, but 17 missed the fairway. You hit a great drive and you missed the fairway by a foot and it's a nasty lie. And all you can do is get it kind of to the front. You make a good play. But that was the first hole that round that I remember where we weren't going at the stick. or Right. Yep. Where we weren't you know, deciding where to put. Because from there, you couldn't hit the green. And, um, and it was, if it's a foot to the right, you're going right at it. And because of where it was and because of the resulting lie and how protected these greens were, you couldn't land it on there from that and, and stick. So all of a sudden you had to play conservative, right? You played it well, but all of a sudden it was like, we just went, you know, bogey par first time. I don't remember lining up a par, a birdie putt that was makeable. Right. Yep. No, I, I see what you're saying. Um, then we get to 18 and again, miss the biggest fairway in professional golf in a bunker <laughs> with water in front. And this time, unfortunately, Same bunker. yeah. Didn't catch a great lie, kind of hit it fat in the water, have to drop. And at this point, it's, it feels, this feels really bad. Like I've gone from, oh, it was three under total through 15 holes. I'm in a decent spot. No problem. And then get that raw result on, on 16. I wedged it on the green, missed the putt, make a double sign for 74 and the, just the momentum shift, you know, compared to that birdie on 18 in the first round and making the turn to the double bogey in the second round, ending the round. What a horrible feeling. And if that dinner tasted much better on Tuesday night, the dinner on Wednesday, I mean, it could have been filet with whatever awesome tasting sauce you wanted, it would have tasted terrible. Um, just, just, a just really not devastating because again, my expectations were in check, but I played so well again, not scoring, but just the game felt great. And then kind of a double whammy 16 and 18. And again, my fall hit a bad shot, bad, bad drive. Should I have pitched it out from the bunker after seeing the lie? I still think, no, I, th I think it was, the lie was decent. It wasn't awesome, but, um, man, just, just, uh, yeah, I, I was a bit torn. I mean, just a kick in the, you know what <laughs> it was one of those things. I mean, you'd birdied that hole from that bunker yep. the day before. Correct. For me, that was the first time as a caddy where I was like, should I say something? I don't want to plant a <laughs> negative seed, but I was right. like, I cannot get that ball on that green. That is not a good lie. And that is a scary shot to me. 
Now, maybe to Brad, it's not, and I don't want to plant that seed. So I was like, hey, let's do this thing. And when it came out, it it was like, yeah, I guess it was probably a 50-50. Um, I'm sure you, you could have got it. It certainly wasn't an easy shot. You actually had a great shot after that. I mean, you were steamed. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and you you regroup really well. You went right at it with a wedge. It was also not an easy shot. It was tucked behind a tier. You got it. You had a makeable putt. But it and that didn't go. And it was definitely a sour taste. So it was quite a quite a change. You know, you went two under on your last three on the first day, and that felt great. You went three over on your last three on the second day, and it didn't feel great. I still was like, man, your game is on like we can get this back. But I could see that like uh now we gotta go after it a little bit. You can't yeah. probably settle in. It was a bit of a downer. I, I knew the conditions the first two day were really good. So even though I didn't, I don't study the leaderboard or anything, but I figured, you know, if two under was just outside the number on the first day, then four under was just outside the number on the second day. So it was, uh, even, even par wasn't going to be great. Needed, needed a couple pretty good rounds coming in to, uh, to make it. And again, I thought, you know, even with the emotional, you know, downer of, of those last three holes on the second day, I still felt like the game was there. Um, but you know, sometimes that little desperation can, can overcome whatever positives are going on in your head. And that's kind of what happened on the third day, which was again, not seeing the ball go in the hole, uh, messier shots hit one, one poor tee shot. Eh, not even a poor tee shot. I just ended up in a bad spot, but all of a sudden bogeys were a lot easier to make that day. And, uh, I don't, I don't really think that any one hole told the story. Maybe number four told the story, which was the, our 13th hole. You kind of have to make a decision whether to go left or right off the tee. Cause there's a bunker in the center. I hit it in the bunker in the center and then hit this amazing, I think it was a pitching wedge out of, out of the bunker. Cause the lie was downhill. Uh, lie was in, awful in that bunker, but the pin was tucked front, right. And I hit it on this shelf kind of middle left. And my back was basically to the hole as I was putting. And <laughs> it, I did the one cardinal mistake was, which was leave it on the top shelf. So the second putt was not makeable, you know, just hit it down there, tapped it in for bogey. But that was kind of the, I didn't really do much wrong on the drive. It just kind of slipped into the bunker. Thought I hit a really good shot with a pitching wedge and left myself in an untenable position on the birdie putt. It wasn't a putt for birdie. You were, I was trying to make par. So that kind of told the story of the third round. I don't know if you remember anything specific, but all of a sudden just golf became a lot harder that day. That's yeah, that's a good summary. Uh, 18 got you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It did too. This time uh, bunker did, did I hit off it on the, the right bunker this again. Time? Uh, right bunker. Yep. Yep. Uh, another shot, crappy though. lie. Yep. Um, didn't quite catch it into the water. I think you were 40 on that front nine. And, and that was, it was, uh, that's how I felt. I felt, I was like, wow, this golf course is hard. It all of a sudden, <laughs> it was like, you just could see the trouble. And the first two days, it didn't see it as much. I mean, you'd really played um, so well on, on the first couple of days. And all of a sudden, it was like just a little off. There were no foul balls. There was no, nothing wayward. It was just, it was a tough golf course if you weren't really on. And it, yep. it could kind of make you pay. You get on the wrong side. You don't hit those fairways. You can't hit those greens. They The greens got Man, every day they just got better and better, fast, yep. firm. It was, um, uh, I would have really struggled to hit those greens from the fairway. It just, it required like a lot of spin and, and a couple of the guys that we played that you played with just didn't have some of those shots. It started to really, I think, stretch the field. Um, yeah, it did. It, it did separate by the end because the last day it was a little bit windy and it did separate the field and the scores got worse actually. And the, the number actually ended up being not as low as it was projected to be. It kind of backed up that, 
that fourth day, but the third day was kind of where the rubber met the road in terms of my game. Uh, 78 was the final score. Certainly one of the highest scores I've shot in a while. Um, but it was just kind of, it, it was just a tough, a tough thing to, to handle, not, not emotionally, just mentally where, I wasn't getting the scoring out of my game in the first two rounds. And then stuff actually started to go wrong the third day. (laughs) Nothing was going wrong the first two days and yet the scoring wasn't great. And then all of a sudden stuff was starting to happen that didn't happen the first two days, which made it even harder to score. So that was kind of, um, it, it was a disappointing day. It was kind of made the fourth day pretty much irrelevant um, in terms of what I had to shoot because it had to be something like 12 or 13 under or something silly. But um, that was kind of probably where I accepted like, well, you don't play much anymore. You haven't played competitively in about two and a half years consistently. So yeah, that days like that might happen. So I was, again, my, my my thought process was well i can see how that could happen it's un- it's unfortunate that it did i didn't want it to happen but i i there's there's a reason why it did happen and it's because guys who are there at the top of the leaderboard are playing every week they've just come off a season where they played 25 tournaments they're sharp i'm not so my my hope was that i could get it done and after 3 rounds it was apparent that you know the the way that i had hoped it would go it wasn't going to happen um yeah yeah that that that's fair that that third day it was a bit of a struggle it wasn't your bet even when you sort of turned it around on the back nine again the putts weren't falling you were hitting plenty of good shots if you missed anything at all and it seemed like if you could get a bad break it was happening it was it was one of those so we, we regrouped that night um it was still, you know, it, it was still enjoyable from my perspective and, um, you know, had a good outlook on, on coming out for that last round and, uh, walk us through it from, from your perspective. I mean, like you said, you just, you're kind of out there, um, knowing that, um, you know, you're not going to get through this stage. So how do you, how do you approach that kind of round to try, you know, what, what were you trying to get out of it? Were you just trying to enjoy it, have some fun? Were you trying to grind some stuff out? I was just trying to kind of stay out of your way on that last day. And Well, post, post third round, uh, 10 to 12 years ago, there would have been a, you know, I would have pitched a fit at some point. Um, <laughs> but now, nowadays it's, you know, one big expletive deleted and then that's it. You know, it's gone. Um, I, I tend to, take more of those things in stride than I used to. So the fourth round, I just, you know, let's just try to play well, make it, uh, you know, make it respectable. Don't, don't blow your brains out in the fourth round, you know, trying to do stupid stuff. Just, you know, shoot, shoot a score. Nothing, nothing can happen that will be devastating either way, but I don't like to you know, throw the towel in, quit, whatever you want to call it. I let, let's keep it respectable. And I played, I, I feel like that fourth round was pretty much like the first and second round, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it, if there it was, was a model <laughs> for how I played, it was hit it really good off the tee, hit my irons. Well, made no putts, didn't score on the par fives. So that I remember that in particular it, on the, on the last day, we just kind of start, um, you probably don't remember this. I mean, you met, you bogeyed the first hole. You missed like uh, a really short putt, and and then you had birdie chance after birdie chance, and it it was just and you you kind of couldn't afford to miss that short one, and it and then it was like you had birdie chance after birdie chance, and nothing went in, and eventually you'd make a mistake and you'd make a bogey. You, you did make yeah. some birdies that day. I think you had three birdies and four bogeys. It was, um, again, you hit, and you hit it great. Like it was just one of those, like the putts got to go. And we saw some great putters 
Um, and you didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. Was it, you know, what, what were your thoughts on the putting? It felt like kind of my summary from everything was you drove it as well as anybody that we played with. You hit your irons. I think the best I've ever seen you hit them. I mean, especially your wedge play. It was, you know, I had no anxiety when you were over a tee shot or over an iron, but the putts, I, my, I I just, I was nervous. (laughs) They weren't going and I just couldn't figure them out. I wanted to help, but I, I, I couldn't. I think that it was a combination of two things. Um, confidence in reads, because I thought the greens were very subtle. A lot of times it was, well, does it go left or does it go right? And it would be either, you know, right edge or left edge. So that's when it's not obvious, that really makes it hard to be confident in the read. Um, and I just had too many 15 to 20 footers that I thought I hit great putts that just missed. And if I had to put a finger on one thing, it's that I did feel as it, as the, the week progressed, the greens got faster, but in my mind, they were really fast and I gave them too much respect. And I just remember about five or six putts from 12 feet that hung on the front lip and didn't go in. And I guess that means I was playing a little bit defensive. And from, you know, how much would that have changed if half of those six putts would have gone in? You know, in the end, not much would have changed. But if it was the first couple of days, it would have put me in a much better frame of mind, better position uh, going into that third going into that third round. So I don't think it was anything technique wise. It was kind of in my head playing again, not defensively, like what I perceived to be the case was not true. They weren't 13s. They were 11s. And I kept leaving it just a hair short. And a lot of the times it was right in the middle of the hole. So, um, that's kind of where I, where I thought, like, I, I don't ever think that if you leave a 15 foot putt short that you've hit a a poor putter made a mistake. But if you hit six 15 foot putts that end up short in the middle of the hole, then you've made a mistake. One doesn't make a mistake, but I just wasn't able to make the adjustment uh, and get the speed right. So that, that was kind of where I came from. I just didn't make enough birdies for the week. And those were a bunch of times where I could have made birdies. You always like to see, you know, one or two 15 footers go in per day. If you have six of them, you should make one one or sure. two. That's kind of what Good the point. odds, the, the percentages tell you. Uh, and then the par fives were, you know, I was never out of position, but I think I birdied three out of 16 and that's just not a winning, that's not a winning strategy, Carrie. You can't, you can't play it that way. That um, wasn't, uh, Brad, that's not how we drew it up, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't play them poorly in terms of strategy or one individual shot didn't kill me. It was just, I need to get up and down a few times. I needed to, I think I three putted once when I hit it on the green and two, um, could have wedged it a little closer. So just a whole bunch of different stuff that, uh, ultimately comes back to, I just don't play that much. And so from the very beginning, I kind of accepted that and it's okay. Cause it's not my primary thing in life anymore. You know, competitive golf. It was for a long time. I, I was hoping that this would, would kind of propel me into 2023, maybe, maybe change that. But in the end, it, in terms of the 2022 Q school, it didn't happen. Um, but I certainly enjoyed it. I enjoyed you being on the bag. I enjoyed our time together and, um, you did not annoy me. Oh, hey, so there's a win. <laughs> that, that was the- I mean, I, I had a blast. I I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Uh I was proud of you. I thought you played really well. Um and um you could have scored better, but in a lot of ways, you know, I thought you there were certain things that you you did extremely well and and there's always things we can we can clean up. I enjoyed being inside the ropes. I enjoyed seeing golf played at that level all the players. I was super impressed. It was really good for my game. Uh, as you know, I, 
I went out every evening and played at just uh, a couple of local munis and and really enjoyed that. I just felt watching how everybody, how a pro prepares, how um, how repeatable their swings are, how delicately they hold the club, how um, how they approach and strategize this sort of chess match around this really challenging golf course. I just, I enjoyed every minute of it. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the red rooster followers did, we had awesome interaction while we were out there. Glad we could share a little bit. Uh, hope there's some key takeaways here for, for you guys and for your game. And, um, you know, I hope I get another chance. I hope there's a, hope there's an opportunity, a few more, tournaments next year, uh, to get to do it again, you know, Brad, like your game's there. It's, uh, it's there, but it's also, it's a fine line and you could see, you know, we played with lots of great players. Um, a few of them got through, uh, a number of them didn't, but you can just see like how good, um, this level of golf is it's, um, it's, it's exceptional, you know, from when I was coming out of college, I mean, he's, players are so much better. Um, and, uh, feel, feel like the golf courses are getting so much longer and harder. So, um, so I thought you did well and thanks for letting me come along and just, um, enjoyed every minute of it. That was a blast. And I know that every tournament, I like to take something away from it that I, that I learned. And, and this one is you got to put the time in, um, and, and there are no shortcuts. Yeah, no shortcuts. And, and you've got to, you got to be, tournament tough. And so if it happens next year or the year after, I'm certainly going to put some events on my calendar in the months before that to, uh, to make that happen, to make sure that I'm at least semi tournament tough because going in, you know, I played an event the week before in the Bahamas, but it was kind of a hit and giggle type thing. Um, it, it really has to be, you can't give yourself a disadvantage before you get there. And, and I, I certainly had a little bit of a disadvantage, but I knew that. And, and so that's why before that event and after, and now I'm kind of at peace with the result. It's, it's totally fine. Awesome, uh, but I buddy. certainly, I certainly did enjoy having you on the bag and I enjoyed everyone who will listen to this. I enjoyed the recap with you. Carrie, for everyone listening, if they haven't tried one of our gloves yet, how do they get in touch with us? How do they find us? You can always find us at redroostergolf.com, all of our social handles at redroostergolf, and please uh, rate and review our podcast and follow us so you get notices. We'll be uh, launching new podcasts every two weeks. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Red Rooster Golf Podcast. From my partner, Carrie Moher, I am Brad Fritch. We'll see you again soon. Until then, tee it high, let it fly, and cock-a-doodle-doo.